0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Uh, I got a question for you. Have you ever done this before? You've gone to the grocery store, okay? You go to the grocery store because you need to get, let's say, cereal, okay? You go to the grocery store, a guy gets some cereal, cereal ran out, and, and so you go down the cereal aisle, as you go down the cereal aisle, you find the cereal that you want. But you have a decision to make. You get the name brand cereal, or do you get the generic cereal? Right? Name brand is maybe twice as much as the other, but which one do I get? I've been reading some studies this week how, of course, there are tests done on these cereals of what kids would choose, the name brand one or the generic one, okay? Now, they take the bags out of the boxes, they feed it to the kids and say, which one do you like better? And in most of these studies, it either lands that it's exactly the same, or sometimes the generic one wins, Well, the problem is we know the name brand is selling more we know the name brand is making more money we know the name brand is the one we see all the time why though then are the tests almost the same it's the boxes right which box if you go into a store would you choose right now you choose in this one or this one the the, the name brand puts a lot of money into the first impression. The name brand puts a lot of money on what you see on the outside, so they sell more. Another scenario. Have you ever walked into a room, and the moment you walk in, you feel like you're getting sized up? You ever felt that feeling before? You walk into a room, and you know people are, we'll call it judging you and don't you hate that feeling don't you hate when you walk in and be like bro why are you sizing me up like i don't even know you you ever felt that and you just wish that they would judge you based upon the conversation or that they would get to know you first before they made their first impression impression judgment about you now let's flip the roles have you ever done that to anybody have you ever seen somebody, for the first time, they walk into room and you immediately make a judgment? But then, when you meet them, they end up being nothing like you thought they would be. Have you ever made that judgment? The truth is, we all have done it. We all do this. Like, unfortunately, there's not a single person in this room or watching online right now that has not done this in their life, and why are we, why are we like this? What is in us that we are so quick to make a judgment based on first impression or something we see on the outside? We say phrases like, don't judge a book by its what? Cover. But, how often do we fall into the trap of judging things by the cover in big and small ways? And then based on those judgments, we change our actions towards someone or something. I say this because I think this is where James is taking us today, okay? If this is your first time with us, we're in week three of a series that we're going through all this summer. We're in week three of talking about the lessons that the New Testament author James gave us. We're walking through this letter that was written a couple thousand years ago, and the theme of this this conversation for all summer is how do we let our faith impact every aspect of our life? How do we let our faith in Jesus not just be a statement of belief, but actually impact every facet of our life? So la- so the first week we saw how James talks about how our faith impacts how we walk through trials and temptations. You remember? We walked through this conversation of how the in the hardest moments of your life, your faith in Jesus should make an impact how you walk through those moments. And then last week I talked about two things. We talked about how our faith makes an impact on uh, how we walk through conflict or the anger that we feel with each other. And then secondly, How does our faith push us to move past just listening to the Word to actually doing what it says? You can go back and watch those those messages if you want, but we're going to move on to the next teaching in James. But what I hope you've gotten just after two weeks is I hope you understand the book of James is not a light book. The book of James is not for people who don't want to be pushed in life, because James is always challenging us. From first chapter to the last, James is going to push on some tough issues in our life, and today is no different. Today we're going to look at a part of James where he talks about something that we either don't recognize in ourselves or we really don't want to change in. And so today we're going to go from chapter 1. We're going to transition to chapter number 2. And so if you've got Bibles, you got your phones, feel free to get James chapter 2. But as you're going there, I want to read to you how James ends chapter 1. A verse I didn't read last week, so I want to save it for, t- t- for today. James 1, verse 27. Religion... That God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So I wanted to start this today because I think how James ends chapter 1 gets us into chapter 2 in almost a seamless way. He ends chapter 1 by saying... You need to take care of those people who are vulnerable. You need to take care of those people that are often forgotten. And you need to watch how you're being polluted by the world's thinking. That we need to be different than what we see around us. That's how he ends chapter one. And then we make the transition into two. And let's read what he says in chapter two My brothers and sisters. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. but you have dishonored the poor is it not rich not the rich who are exploiting you are they not the ones who are dragging you into court are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him whom you belong now verse 8 if you really keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay, so keep, keep yourself there because I'm going to refer back to this a few times. So if you have your Bible, you're on your phone to keep it in front of you. But here we have the words of James. And the question needs to be asked every time you read Scripture is why did James, in this case, why did James feel it necessary to write these words? Why did James have to talk to the brothers and sisters of Jesus and and talk about how their faith works in this? These are not random words. These are not hypothetical words. Think about it. Why would James talk about the idea of, of favoritism why do you do it? because it was an issue James is going to talk about things that he has seen in people's lives. He's not going to waste his time writing a letter about something that doesn't matter, he hasn't seen, he doesn't see as a problem. He's obviously seen this play out that just because they have a faith in Jesus didn't still mean they didn't fall into the trap of living by the standard that the world around them, the mindsets of the world around them were living in. Now remember, how did he end chapter 1? He says, take care of the people who are forgotten. Take care of the people who are vulnerable. F- take care of the people that are os- o- often maybe less valuable in the eyes of the world. And don't be polluted by the world's thinking. And then he immediately follows that thought with, you've got to stop showing favoritism. Do we think this is by chance, or do you think that James is trying to push people in something now. As we walk through this text, you know, as we do, is we've got to understand maybe some text, some cultural things that we've got to understand with this. So we need to read this, understanding that the the Roman world, which was just you know, just dominated by by uh, the Romans, their culture was a little bit different than our culture, and here's a couple ways. In their culture, you didn't have the ability whether by working harder or just getting a lucky break, they didn't have the ability to move up in society. That's not the way it was. What you were born into is who you were probably going to be when you died. Their culture didn't have what our culture calls what? American dream. And the second thing we got to understand is they didn't really have a middle class, Okay. Either you were poor or you were rich. And how you were viewed in society would change based on what you had. Uh, An author named David Nystrom talked about the Roman culture and the mindset this way. He says, in the Roman world, the poor were faceless nothings in the eyes of the wealthy. In the Roman world, the poor were faceless nothings in the sight and the eyes of the wealthy. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Is that while their culture didn't really operate always like us, it still seems that there was a fascination with the wealthy. Based on James' words, it seems like there's still a fascination with the wealthy. It seems still that the poor idolized the people who had stuff and and status. Their culture wasn't a whole lot different than ours in this way, right? Both cultures seem to be infatuated with people who have status. And if you say we're not, I'm sure you've heard the names Johnny Depp, Amber Howe, Amber Heard before, right? There are court cases every single day between married people or ex-married people But we couldn't go anywhere without seeing the names Johnny Depp and Amber Heard Why? Because people would pay attention people the news media could make money because for some reason there's a fascination with people who we deem or the world deems as important people with status they had the same problem so here we have james It seems he's got to speak into something because even after people accepted Jesus, their mindset wasn't changing. See, their faith in Jesus wasn't changing how they viewed and treated people their faith in jesus you hear me on this didn't change how they viewed and treated people and james had to speak about this so let's picture what he is writing about someone walks in that is wealthy now you know they're wealthy why you see the verse what they've got a gold ring and they've got some fancy clothes It was important for the wealthy to dress like this because they had to separate themselves from the other classes. If you look at statistics, you'll see that there was about 8% wealthy, 2% that maybe had some margin to grow, and then 90% of the people were poor. And so the rich had to separate themselves and make sure it's known that they're not part of that 90%. So they walk into the place that they're worshiping. They walk into the place where they're learning about Jesus, they're looking at Scripture. And then what happens? What's, what's James' scenario? They walk in, and because they're wealthy, they get treated with special honor, they get the best seats. They get the special attention. Then what happens? The poor person walks in. The typical person, one of the 90%, steps in and they're like, hey, go stand over there. Maybe you can sit at my feet and probably what would they be sitting on? Dirt. You can sit at my feet. And James is challenging these people who are now bought into who Jesus is. And he's saying, Hasn't God changed how you look at people? Hasn't God changed how you view people's value and their worth? Hasn't God changed something? that don't you see the kingdom of God is offered to everybody? Not just salvation, but all of the kingdom is offered to everybody and it's not based on what they look like. What's he say? It's based on how they love God. And I think James shows some frustration here. I think James, I'm reading into this, I realize, but I think he's showing some frustration here. Why are you acting like this? Why are you treating people that the world says is better in a better way? When in reality, isn't the wealthy class the ones that are holding you down? In reality, isn't the wealthy class the ones who are blaspheming the name of the one you say you belong to? Why is your mindset and your actions being polluted by the world i just told you don't let this happen can you picture how they were living can you picture james having to tell them this and then james makes a transition okay james makes a transition he goes from like This is a wrong way to live. And he makes a transition to, this is how you live. He says, stop living like that. And he dips back into teaching that they would have known. He dips back into the teaching of Jesus. He dips back into the words that Jesus would have said. And he says, the way you should be living is to be living by the royal law. They would have known what this was. Jesus taught... When people pushed on him, what was the most important law? In all the 600 plus laws, he summed it up into how many? Two, right? And what were those two laws? Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. Okay? Heart, soul, mind, strength. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. These people would have heard this. What I love about James right now is he's not teaching them anything new. He is doing oftentimes what I feel like we need to do. Maybe in your personal Bible studies, you have to do. It's not like always a new lesson. It's a reminding you. It's a reminder. This is how you should have been living this whole time. You know this. That there's a better way to live in Jesus Christ. There's a better way to live when you actually want to live out the freedom that Jesus is trying to give. There's a vastly different standard to live when you're a Jesus follower than when you just go by the world's standards or rules. This is not new to us. Whether you've read the book of James before or not, this is not new to us. You know we should be loving our neighbor as ourselves. This is how we should live. But unfortunately, sometimes we fall into the trap that I heard someone say one time. He said, We don't mind loving our neighbor as ourselves, we just want to pick the neighborhood. That soak in. We don't mind loving our neighbor as ourselves. We just want to pick the neighborhood. Can I tell you this morning the same problem that James had to speak into a couple thousand years ago is the same problem that he has to speak into us today. As followers of Jesus, we don't have the freedom to choose favoritism as a way of life. This is not an option. We don't have the freedom to choose who our neighbor is and who our neighbor isn't. And don't we already know that? Haven't we been told that before? Isn't this a baseline truth when you accept Jesus? This is how we live. And James is calling them out because they know this. James is calling me out because I know this. Is James calling you out? Because you know this. And then James ends his, this portion of this letter in a pretty strong way. Let me go back and read it again. Verse 9. But if you show favoritism, you sin. You and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you should not commit adultery also said you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Do you know what James is saying in our language? How maybe we would say it? You can't pick and choose which part of following Jesus you're going to obey. These are strong words. I said at the beginning, the book of James is not a book for people that don't want to be pushed in life. I said at the beginning, the book of James is not for someone who doesn't want to be challenged in life because it seems like James has the personality to say, bam, there it is. What are you going to do with it? Our faith in Jesus means... Our life is now in submission to all. Not just some, but all of what Jesus has called us to. Once again, not just the parts that we like. James saw a group of people who said they had faith in Jesus. But it seems like they were still showing favoritism picking and choosing who was important and who was not based on how they looked based on the outside standards that culture says is the most important so that's James 2 and the question is then what do we do with this The question has to be, what do we do with this? And I think what we have to do with kind of heavy material like this, we have to ask ourselves some questions. In my everyday life, has favoritism snuck into my way of living? So let's ask us. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, so just be honest and vulnerable with yourself. Am I showing favoritism? Maybe number one because of what someone can offer me? Do you show favoritism because of what someone else can offer you? Not because of their value or worth that's intrinsic of being the created person of God, but because of what they can offer you. Maybe they do have some wealth and maybe I'll get some stuff. Maybe they'll introduce me to people that I want to meet. What are the things we get from people that we could show favoritism? You matter more because of what I can get from you. This is not an option for a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's not that. Maybe Am I showing favoritism because of the way someone looks? Now, I know the first thing that pops into our head. We have a checkered, we have a terrible past. Not just in this country, but in humanity. Treating people differently based on colors of skin. It's what we do. Someone doesn't look like me. We know racism is wrong. We know that we can't look at somebody and say, you have less value, because we know this, but do we ever fall into that trap? This is not an option for a Jesus follower. But maybe it's not even just that. What about what gender or older people, younger people? Do we sometimes look at people who are not our age, and think they're less valuable? Do younger people think younger people are more valuable? Do older people make, think older people are more valuable? And we don't treat each other with value. I've told you over and over, I love that we have a cross-generational church here that seven-year-olds and 70-year-olds can do life together. It makes it a little messier and harder because everybody's got their own tastes. Everybody's got their own styles. Generationally, there are things that cause issue here. And at at One Hope, everybody has to compromise a little bit. Some people want music louder, some people want music softer. Some people want these songs, and some people want... Everybody's got to give up a little bit. That's just the kind of church we are. Believe me, I know this every week. But this is the beautiful thing. There's something in us that when we say, I want what's best for people that are not like me, we fight for each other versus fighting against each other because we see value in the differences. We show favoritism because of the way someone looks. We don't have this choice as a Jesus follower. A third thing is, do we show favoritism because of who someone is in society? They deem you to be important So I'm going to treat you as more important. It reminded me of the time when um, Nick Saban got to meet me. I mean, I got to meet Nick (laughs) Saban. It was a good day for him. It was a good day for him. Same night meeting Justin Thomas, a great golfer on the PGA tour. Okay, these people, the world says is important. Do I treat them with more value? I mean, it's cool. But I would hope I wouldn't say Nick Saban is more important than one of you. But I need to get to that place, right? Like, am I would I treat with but I treat with favoritism because the culture says a, a football coach is more important than a teacher. I have to watch that. I have to watch that in me. Something can be cool and to meet someone who's famous, yes, but value and worth are a different thing. Am I showing favoritism because of someone's actions? Let me tell you like this because of what they've accomplished in the past or maybe their sin or lack of in the past. Do I show favoritism because, well, you've got a messy past? I'm going to keep a distance. Does that fit into a Christ honoring life? Is that how we work? You've accomplished more. So I'm going to say you're more valuable. You, you've done worse things. Show is that really who we are? We have to ask questions. And the last one was simply, I put number five with a line. Because what are reasons you maybe show favoritism? And James is going, we can't do it. We can't do it. But why was this so important to James. Why did he spend this chunk of his letter writing this to the people? I don't know all of his motives, right? So, like, Because I'm not there. But I have to think that James knows something. James knows what's pleasing to God, but I think he also knows that when we live out a life of favoritism, something happens. That favoritism, I think, hurts. People in life. And so I thought about what what does favoritism hurt? Well, we know the first one's really easy, right? What does favoritism hurt? The person on the receiving end. We know this, right? Have you ever been bullied before? Have you ever been something not been given to you that you deserve, that should have been? Have you ever been mistreated? It hurts. Yeah. Been on the receiving end of that before? It hurts. When someone doesn't treat you the way you deserve to be treated, it hurts. It hurts the person on the receiving end, and we need to remember that. Every time we act out in favoritism, we hurt somebody. But it doesn't just hurt the person on the receiving end. The second thing is it hurts you. Do you know that favoritism hurts us? something is done in our heart. Something happens in our soul. There's like a callousness that builds up. There's a hardness that builds up. There's this, this, this something that because it's taking us away from the way we know that God has called us to live and that just, it does something. It hurts us on the inside to not live out the way we know we should live out, to, to hold something against someone else that God has created it hurts us and we don't realize some of the fracturing that happens with this kind of lifestyle it does damage to us we need to remember that it hurts the reputation of jesus we need to be reminded that you are often the picture of jesus that someone gets when they hear you're a jesus follower maybe this is why james had to talk about it they get your image of Jesus out of the way you live life and when we treat some people well and some people other does it hurt the reputation of maybe who Jesus is fourth is it hurts the gospel movement if we're not giving a good picture of Jesus then people aren't going to want to believe in the one that we give our life to he starts the letter by saying brothers and sisters so who's he talking to Jesus followers. Brothers and sisters, you don't have the right to show favoritism. You are not allowed to show faith as Christ follows because why would accept someone accept that Jesus you say you follow when some people matter and some people don't? The gospel movement is hurt when we start living this way. And then the last one is favoritism hurts our ability to live in everything that jesus offered here's what i mean let me read again verse 12 speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful mercy triumphs over judgment judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful You can't live in the mercy of Jesus if you're not giving the mercy of Jesus to other people. It seems what James is saying. It seems like there's some accountability here. We need to live in the mercy of God in our life, but we also have to dispense that mercy, dispense that love, dispense the lack of judgment. So today, I decided that um, today would be a good day for us to do communion. If you didn't grab one of these on the way in, feel free to go to the doors. You're not going to bother me one little bit. Grab one of these at any entrance. If you're at home watching right now, you're somewhere, you can grab anything you want. But the reason that I decided to do communion together today is because we are blessed when Jesus, listen to me, when Jesus came to this earth, he came for who? Everybody. There is no favoritism on the cross. There is no picking and choosing on the cross. Salvation is for everyone. That's why there's the famous verse that we could all recite, John three sixteen. For God so loved what? gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This verse is famous because it's for all of us. But Jesus' death and resurrection came with one stipulation that you will in faith believe in Me. And then, when we receive the salvation of Jesus Christ, it gives us the opportunity to live the way He lived. This is the beautiful thing about salvation. We give our life to Him, and then we get to live, we get to mimic, we get to copy, we get to be as followers of Jesus, we get to live this out. And that life is lived by realizing that everybody is important everybody has value everybody has worth there is not a better or worse James wants us to know this but you know Paul wrote this as well Galatians 3 26 through 29 he writes so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith For all are baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. Neither are Jew, nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, you, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is is the message of Jesus, James gives it, then Paul gives it, he wants us to transform who we are. And so what then happens, as we take communion today, I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. First, have you received the love of Christ from the cross? He lived, died, rose again, for us. Because you were important, You are valuable. You are His. No one can take that away. It doesn't matter what someone else does, they can never take that away. But we get to receive Him. And He gave His life, and all He's saying is, You give your life back to me. And all we have to do is say, Forgive me, Jesus. I give you my life. My life is yours. Maybe you want to do that too. That's a question you have to ask yourself. Have I given my life to Jesus? If you do, it's as simple as asking forgiveness and giving your life, then we can take communion together. The second thing is, is there a chance that in your life you have showed favoritism and are not living the life that Jesus called us to? That you're creating lines between people which is not an option for his followers. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. We don't get to pick the neighborhood. Maybe as we take communion today, you'll just ask, God, is there anybody I've been treating poorly? Do I have a mindset against anybody that is poorly? And that you will ask forgiveness for that. But this is what we're going to do today. We're going to worship. We're going to take communion. I'm going to let you, we do communion in different ways, different times here, but I'm going to let you choose how you want, when and how you want to take communion. Maybe you want to come up to the altar. Maybe you want to sit in your seat. Maybe you want to listen to the words, sing with it. It's a new song today. But you want to listen or sing to the words and you take it as you desire. If you want to take communion, you're not a believer in Jesus, you can be today. It's that simple prayer. But maybe if there's something Jesus wants to show you, you'll say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want to treat your creation by loving my neighbors myself. So take as you wish, but I'm going to pray that we're going to stand in worship and you do as God speaks to you. God, tough words today. Tough words today that God, maybe there's something in us that doesn't view people the way you view people. And God, can you speak to us today? But God, I also pray for someone today who has not viewed themselves the way you view them and that you have saved them, you love them, and you want just to be their God. And God, I pray that you would be seen today. And God, I pray if there's anybody in this room, anybody watching online, that they would pray, God, forgive me for my sin, I give my life to you. Thank you for giving your life to me. And God, as we take communion today, will you speak to us about everything you've done for us And God, will you speak to the areas in our life where we are not following the example you gave us? In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.